stuff Dude, like let's that. just roll into it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike of Symbiotics. It's just you and your stepbrother right now. Yeah, yeah, it's just me and my stepbrother right now. And my lady, she helps out. Yeah, of um, course. But yeah, so like coming back into managing myself again, like which is pretty recent, I don't like to make commitments with anybody about anything besides just like I'm going to teach a class. Like, like as far as like Patreon stuff, dude. Yeah. I know I suck at it, so I don't even want to do it because, like, I don't want to tell you I'm going to be on some video every week or right. doing some offering all the time. Like, there's I haven't figured out, like, a good give because, like, my life is so sporadic. Like, there will be, yeah. like, weeks where I just, like, don't interact with, well, like, the internet, like, that much. And, like, I was going to say, you don't want to farm yourself. You don't want to chain yourself nah. to that hamster wheel. Oh, dude, that was, like, one of my earliest lessons that I taught that I learned, like, that I just like remember I was like I was I was in North Carolina I was like had to have been like 24 where I was like bro stop putting work on your future self bro because you hate it every time when you tell somebody you're gonna do something or when you have to show up for something I hate that bro I'm like yeah. now I'm sitting here I gotta do all this and I did this to myself yeah. like what did I do just because I, I wanted that person to like me why did like, I promise this <laughs> like you know what I mean like yeah. what and like, funny. I'm going to be live up to my word, you know what I mean? So like there, there's a, you know, there's an axiom, do what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And for me, that transformed into like, don't say what you can't do. Right. Mm-hmm. So, or say what you can do. Don't. So it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. do it, do it, show up when you say you're going to. But yeah, that also means you have to use that power very wisely. Like agree to stuff, you know, you're mm-hmm. going to be able to do. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So uh, no Patreon, but we're doing Kajabi now, um, and I'm going to, you know, continue to What is to Kajabi? Drop, I'm not... <clears throat> Kajabi's an online platform for, like, hosting classes. Uh, you can sell events, stuff like that on there. Okay. You can pretty much do... You sell products on there and stuff like that. I think you could do everything through it, um, but it's a really good platform if you, like, do online classes. So, uh, Matt Powers put me onto it, and then my last manager, like, set it all up and everything like that, and uh, it works really well. Like, you know, I can uh, record uh, online courses... And as long as I pre-record them and don't overcommit myself to like doing live stuff, then it works out really well. Like, well, that seems perfect for yeah. Like you can contribute like, what you want to contribute and yeah, make it. Uh, my brother can answer questions like for people because he he's more available than I am like to be on a computer. Yeah. So he can ask me, you know, hey, this person said this. And so, like, I don't have to worry about it as much. And, like, we can, like, have a good customer service that way. Because, yeah. like, so with only a few of us running it, if it was up to me to do the customer service, like, it would be terrible. You so, get overwhelmed. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, I just, like, uh, we, don't, we, like, do our best not to commit too much, deliver a strong product, and, and you know, keep it personalized. So, like, I, I like that model, and it keeps it sellable afterwards. Um, so, like, people can go buy the online course whenever they want to buy it. It just won't be, like, the time that one that I checked in on live anymore. So like, and there's yeah. no live question and answer anymore, but yeah, it's a good way to have more products available. And like, as people become interested in stuff, they can get involved with it. And uh, yeah, we just have our, our line of products that you can always find on our website. All, you know, this has changed a lot because <clears throat> there's been, I mean, obviously anyone who's watched you on like whatever on social media and just followed it. Mm-hmm. Like there's been many iterations of selling, like a mushroom farm, selling forage goods at the farmer's market. You probably still do all of this in some capacity, but there was like selling forage mushrooms at the farmer's market. And then I remember when you started getting the products and you were doing the labels yourself. And now when I got this, I was staring at one of these before the show. I was like, are you working with a co-packer? Like, what does this look like now? Are you guys still doing all of this? All this by hand. 
It's what? all me and my team. Like, again, like I have, I, I especially have some, some of the that seems like you've got a manufacturer. No, no manufacturer. Yeah. Like, and I wow. and I try and show everybody what we're doing so they can be like transparent about it. But like, um, not that I'm opposed because we can do we have solid SOPs and we can get this manufactured very well. But like, I I have I have people back home that I would like to put on and like they're very part time right now just because of the how everything's going with the business my focus is shifting in like where I value putting my time and what I want to do and things like this. So like, so I'm, I make the cacao. I have a, uh, the, the local honey company, honey be friendly. We, we first were making the honey, but it was easier for them to make the honey. So they do make our, uh, our saffron honey. We give them the Chanel extract. We give them the saffron infused honey okay. because, um, my friend, Hannah, uh, Millman, she taught me how to infuse the saffron into the honey. She's the one that gave me my first saffron starts. And she told me not to tell anybody how I do it. So like, I just give him the honey, like a concentrated infusion of saffron honey. Um, he mixes it into the honey batch with the Chanerelle concentrate. Um, and then he gives it to me packaged in the So jars. you're cultivating saffron right now. Yeah, we're cultivating saffron in Pennsylvania. That's wild. I actually had to leave my, my, I had it potted too. Like I wasn't even cultivating it in the ground. But I had to leave them, and it frosted. I asked my buddies to go grab them out of my backyard. I don't know. I've been kind of, like, on the move. Like, I did that documentary uh, screening, and then I did. Uh, I had to drive up to San Francisco because I did this event uh, through Stanford Arts and Anarchy Studios Metaspore. Um, so I did a talk on permaculture there. So, like, i just been on the move doing a bunch of things and getting yeah. ready for all this this weekend. So I don't know if anybody got my saffron. But I've been cultivating saffron for, like, since the pandemic, since, like, 2021 maybe. But yeah, uh, my homegirl, uh, Hannah, she hooked me up. She's really cool. I met, uh, I met up with her in New York. Um, but yeah, so that's the only one that's like out out of our hands. Yeah. Um, so that's done by a honey manufacturer, uh, producer in central Pennsylvania. We make the cacao. Uh, we do the ghee. The, the actual, actually the seasoning also. That's uh, my buddy Craig Ward in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. If you're ever in Harrisburg, he has a vegan restaurant in the uh, Broad Street Market called Ward of Health. Um, so he formulated that seasoning blend. So like, I'll give him our dry mushrooms, and I'm like, "Yo, I need a new batch." He b- gives me a big batch of it. Um, we do all the tinctures in house. Um, I usually will hire my buddy uh, Justin. He's Mineral Mushrooms and Coffee on online on Instagram. Okay, yeah. Um, I- I'll usually hire him to make all of our tinctures um, or any extracts, which we also do wholesale, and we do those white labeled for other people. So like, there's people oh, wow. that will buy wholesale tinctures from us. And we'll send them off without a label on them for their for them to put a label on it, or we'll wholesale our tinctures finished labeled for people to retail in their stores. Uh, there's a store in Grand Junction that holds it. There's a store in D.C. that holds us, and there's a store in St. John, I want to say, or uh, St. One that holds that holds your brand. Yeah, that holds our brand. One in the Caribbean islands. Where, where it, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. 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 And for and people or who St. know Thomas, that, so, I think. Oh, I love St. Thomas. Yeah, yeah. For people that know that supply chain. Uh, for me, it's always been like white label seems like a great way to go mm-hmm. because you don't have to do as much advertising. It's not about my brand. I'm just making something amazing. People mm-hmm. can put their label on it, market it, do all that. Uh, yeah. So I've always liked that angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, So this is like one piece of Mycosymbiotics. Yeah. Amazing products. Mm-hmm. And this has been here. I mean, we still have some of the like, I think it's cordyceps cacao honey mix it's like fudge almost yeah yeah we still run that line yeah yeah Yeah. so that's one element and then obviously we have the classes we have the events Mm -hmm. where you are omnipresent 
at every mushroom event and is like, you're on the poster. I was like, Utah Fun Guy Fest, Oklahoma, like whatever. I wasn't in Oklahoma. You're, okay, you weren't yeah, in the yeah. Oklahoma one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But but, uh, but I was seeing you everywhere. So there's that part of it. Mm-hmm. But then I was super curious, just because the event going on this weekend is it certified. And you're mm-hmm. like, that's us. Mm-hmm. That's our land. That's our farm. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of new to me. What is certified? Like, where did that start? So certified, that's like, that's our sister company. Um, that started when I met my brother, my business partner. We linked up during the pandemic, like for real. Uh, over the years, I've definitely honed in being able to like interact with people in where I put my trust, which is like nowhere besides certified in mycosymbiotics. Like, okay. Like straight up and down. Like, so yeah. it's like, I've never had anybody show up for me in the way that my business partner has. And at the same time, just like game me up. Like that's the OG. Like he's like put me in a position to learn life lessons that I need to learn. Like, and put me in a position to like stand up into the shoes uh, that I created for myself and like really like really see myself the way that the world has seen me. Cause like I didn't really understand all of this i just been in the woods. Like, during the pandemic, people were like, yo, you're famous. I'm just like, fuck you mean I'm famous? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? I'm, like, outside in the same woods. I'm in the same crib. Like, what do you right, mean? Like, right. But they're like, nah, you don't know. And I'm just like, I, I didn't really get it. It's, like, it all started to grow on me over the years. You know what I mean? But, like, right. Well, and how um, to own it, right? Like, how to, like, there's yeah. that persona that people build up for you. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like you said. How to step into that and, like, embody that. Mm-hmm. The best aspects of it. Yeah, because, like, it, like, honestly, it's, like, an incredible asset. So, like, yeah. It's what our entire culture right now is fighting for. <laughs> Straight up. So, like, yeah, so I really leaned into it. And, like, during the pandemic, uh, we started working during the psychedelic research group drop. So, like, um, Certified is a lifestyle brand. We do clothes, uh, garments, um, sustainable materials, mostly repurposed materials that we get dead stock vintage lots um, in Los Angeles. And then we have it manufactured in Los Angeles. So, like, we'll get, like, giant piles of, like, old military material or old t-shirts from you know overstock from some big brand or something like this so like we're not out here like pumping out new materials we're taking stuff that's just lying around just it's already manufactured already manufactured right um and you know helping people you know providing jobs and building a really cool brand you know what i mean and like supporting ecological research where people are like bending over people's knee to get a grant so that they can, like, do the research that they want to do. Because, like, just like we mentioned in part one, like, people want to do my, uh, bioremediation or microremediation. Who's going to pay you to do that? So that's what I'm saying. Like, you have to be able to build things that you can sustain yourself if you want to do those things. So we're, at, we're up at the ranch where we can do all of our ecological research. I have a laboratory there. Also, we also have a micropropagation laboratory in Los Angeles uh, that is equipped with molecular biology equipment and everything that I need to do all levels of microbiology. So I can culture algae there, I can culture fungi there, and we can also do tissue culture of plants there, and we can do cryopreservation and negative 80 storage there. So like here, we just have a, a laboratory where we can just do mushroom farm stuff, which is which is awesome because I want to build this place up into a mushroom farm. Well, this is like the mad scientist infrastructure setup that I think most of us, including me, assumed, not the, assumed that you had, but like this is what you need, or this is what this guy, this is the level you're on in so many people's mm-hmm. minds. So it's amazing to hear that. Yes, I've got multiple labs mm-hmm. in different places. It's under your umbrella. Yeah. Right. Like that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like I'm 
Yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of blown away because when it, I was seeing certified online, I was like, "Who is the?" I thought it was like a someone kind of partnering with you guys, but this is still all you. No, that's us. Yeah, yeah. So like that's that's community. So like yeah, you know what I mean, like me and my business partner, we just we're building up a worldwide brand, a worldwide image. So right. like I stepped into certified with them being like, you know, having some foundations. I mean, my, my business partner is a little bit older than I am. Um, he's been, you know, in the game a little bit longer than I have. Um, we also operate in cannabis industry. Um, so we'll be opening a dispensary and, you know, this is probably the first time the public is even hearing about this besides me talking about it in private. Um, it should be, you know, up and running next year. We got a, we got a lot coming next year. Like it's really certified is like in its infancy right now. It's really going to come online next year when we open up our physical brick and mortar in Los Angeles and like we're going to turn up. I mean, we're going to be doing our classes up here. We're going to be having like art vibes and like, you know, lifestyle culture vibes, like running up in the, like one of the culture capitals of the world. And, uh, yeah, I With mean, ecology and your ethos, like at the core. Yeah. And 100%. that's, what's amazing. It's like using like people have made culture brands and lifestyle brands and, but never paired it with like microscopy and lab equipment. And like, that's, really unique and now i would imagine there have been people reacting to that i don't want to say how this has been received by like the business world but you know in doing accounting what i do for work i interact with investors and business people and Mm -hmm. they're always looking for that thing that they can like put their money into or get an idea they can get juiced about so what is that like when you you know if your business partner is older he runs into maybe some of those circles Mm-hmm. What has that been like to then infuse this ecology into that? Are people like totally bought in? Are people? What is that like? I mean, people are digging it. But Not like, that you have to care, but no, no. Yeah. I mean, like people are digging it, and like I don't think as many people like fully understand it, but like they don't really have to. Yeah. We do like a lot of activations. Like the last thing I'm going to be doing here in Cali before I leave, we're going to be setting up at ComplexCon, uh, which is the biggest streetwear convention in the whole world. So Whoa. like famous people from around the world like artists designers they're all setting up their brands at this convention in los angeles and people come in there to buy you know one-off designer brand pieces that you like can't get at other places and all this kind of stuff and uh i mean i don't know when this is coming out but whatever it's like like next next week or whatever but like we're doing like a whole like like utopia versus dystopia like display yes you know with our with our products and like through all of our drops, there's always elements of what we're doing and what our ethos is. And like people are buying into it because it's trendy and like they don't have to understand it, but like they're living in that world. People around them are seeing that energy. That's the alchemy. Like you don't even have to know what's happening, but you know, you like it. Yeah. And that's using the, I mean, again, it's yeah. yeah, straight up using the elements that we've been given to present something that's different enough that it you know starts to go well and so many other things have leaned into like the dystopian thing and whether Mm -hmm. that's like a lot of people know like popular music acts and stuff like when you see a lot of people's performances now Mm -hmm. there's a whole like dystopian vibe i mean it's really been cool since like the 90s and 2000s but there's always like a super dystopian energy to it Mm -hmm. and it's nice to be like well we can do the utopian vibe yep like people are I mean, I love Bro, that. People are gonna love you know that. I mean, plant yeah. medicine vibed out, psychedelic yeah. energy, like like yeah. it's a whole different thing. So like, and we're giving people something to represent. You know what I mean? Like whether it's the mycosymbiotics, whether it's the certified. So like, it just goes hand in hand. So like, again, we're gonna I, I'm I'm gonna be moving out here and like I'm gonna be moving to Los Angeles in okay. like uh, March at the end of March. 
and uh, from there, I'm going to be spending a lot of time up here on the ranch and working on, you know, building that up into that, into the permaculture campus. And Calistoga is beautiful. Yeah. Indian incredible. Springs is right there. It's one of our favorite places. All if you right. haven't been to Indian Springs, you not. and the family need to go. Oh, you sit in a hot spring. It's amazing. Let's get it. Well, and so we've talked about the businesses that I'm super excited about. And it just builds on the last conversation we had of taking these principles, detaching yourself from the dominant culture, realizing the limitations, getting back in touch with these very human, these quintessentially human traits that we all can embody, and then how you choose to then move with that information and change your outside, like you've changed your inside enough, again, alchemy, you've mm-hmm. changed your inside enough to where your outside starts changing around you if you have the will and the, the intention and the discipline to kind of go out and do that and move that way, mm-hmm. the way you know you should. So that's an amazing story. But I also have to know, just because yeah, we talked about like Cordyceps Camp, and, and it goes without saying, now we're not on the public broadcast, so we can just advertise, go get tickets. Like any event Wolpedia holds is amazing, and you should definitely be there. Go to mycosymbiotics.com, buy it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Um, but what I, I had a question written down here of, what are the Cordyceps Frontiers now? Because you were there from the infancy. You just, that book you just gave me, the new Cordyceps Cultivation book. Mm-hmm. What are the frontier, maybe how you're working with it, and then what you see is like the next tiers of development for cordyceps in the United States? Because I've always wondered, like, will it actually take off medicinally? Will it become a food thing? Like, it's been trendy, but we still don't source it here. Mm-hmm. So, like, what are those, I guess it's frontiers with domestic cordyceps production, that future in, in the U.S.? Well, first of all, developing the domestic production, I think that um, the cooperative agriculture method that we've taken is really going to be the one that is going to supply the U.S. with a with a wholesale amount of domestic cordyceps. I mean, there's like only one or two other funded operations that are capable of producing any quantable mass of cordyceps otherwise it's like right. or quantifiable, but otherwise it's a bunch of like, you know, small scale growers. But together there's a quantifiable mass in the small scale growers. So we started running them through our mycosymbiotic certification program so that they can grow for us. And then we can distribute their mushrooms at a standardized rate that we can all pull together and sell to these bigger companies. Um, that way we can keep our businesses going. Um, so I think that that's going to be the way that we start to produce a domestic amount until we fully establish that economy there. Mm-hmm then some venture capitalists are going to make large-scale cordyceps farms to be able to sell them at a really low rate. Right. At that point, we're just going to be riding on the fact that our our product is very quality product Integrity, and that we're already yeah. established and that we're already in the markets. And that's why I've been telling everybody, let's ride this mycosymbiotics. Like, we're not going anywhere. My name is strong in the industry. People know mycosymbiotics. So let's just put our mushrooms in mycosymbiotics and get it on the shelf and make sure it's the best brand that we can present so that all of our mushrooms can stay sold, you know? Yeah. But like, so like, I think that mycosymbiotics is the safe key in that. And like, you know, I got enough people to ride with me that it makes sense to keep building up on that way. Um, And then I think that where it goes from here is continuing with the education, continuing with all these different people around pushing their product, pushing their cordyceps, teaching people about why they want to interact with cordyceps. Because when people try it, people like it. And there's so many people that have started to develop a culture around cordyceps in the sense that they're consuming it on a regular basis and developing their own, you know, routines around it. Yeah. Um, so there's going to be more people that, you know, I, I, I could imagine it 
having some sort of like cafe-esque type of thing again like we talked about living a slow life and living this life of anxiety like the fast life led to tea ceremonies being reduced down to dipping a little bag inside of a inside of a cup of hot water not knowing what the temperature of the water is or not knowing how long that you're supposed to put those herbs into the water for and when it used to be you sit down, you have an experience, you bring out all of the proper tools and you heat the water up to the right thing for the right herb and you, it was a whole experience. Yeah. And I think that the cordyceps experience can come down to something like contemporary, how people like do their cappuccinos or have like a whole ritual about how they prepare it because there's a specific way of working with them that's going to be ideal for providing the best, most potent experience that people are wanting from it. So I think that there's going to be a way that, you know, a certain like type of people are going to prepare, you know, the raw, either freeze dried or heat dried cordyceps product themselves. Yeah. Or people are going to develop like, you know, I, I have my cordy product and I put it in my drink in the morning or like that thing is still happening. There's right a now. culture that develops around it. Yeah. I love yeah, that. Yeah. I love that relation to coffee culture because mm-hmm. there's even like a growing tide of that of people like, hey, you got to pour it in the grounds first. Let it bloom for a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do the temperature. So yeah, slowing down, making it a ritual. So you see it becoming that pervasive is like this is going to be there's going to be a culture built around cordyceps yes and 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 i think it'll be reinforced by a diversity of cordyceps being produced um once we start to grow other things besides militaris because they do share similar effects but they all are nuanced and there's like you know everybody is different so like everybody's going to want to try the one that works for them you know yeah um so once we get into that stage, I think that there will be a culture that develops around it um, because every microculture is having its moment. Like yeah, anything that you can be interested in, there's enough people interested in it around the world that you can develop a network of people and, you know, build a brand around it. So, yeah. 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 You know, there's all kinds of questions then about, yeah, what species can you breed? How does it impact, like, what food you grow it on? Can you imbue more properties into it? That's oh, a big that's, one. That's a lifetime of fun right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a lifetime of exploring biology. Peter Zoiba, a Poland fungi, was talking about that, and even, like, just getting into experimenting with all the different food types you can use, a substrate, mm-hmm. and the crazy differences he was finding in compounds mm-hmm. in the mushroom. So you see all that down the road. And then... The other thing I wanted to talk about too, so there's cordyceps, that's the big one. And then I was seeing you talk a lot about, we talked about microscopy before, but a lot about like genetics. Mm -hmm. Like what is the future of genetics and approachable soil science? And I'll I'll give the example, like right now in the city we're in, I'm pushing for us to include our city like parks and rec department Mm -hmm. to start at least doing like a microbiometer on soil. Mm -hmm. But like what, what are the frontiers in your mind for like, Soil science, genetics, microscopy, both to the masses, because I feel like it's getting popular now. Mm-hmm. Like there's a culture forming around that. And then what are the frontiers? Like what are the questions you're looking at with like new science around genetics? I can imagine that there will be more uh, molecular biology services available, like companies offering different services, forensic services, soil detection services, things like this. Um, there's a, there was a fair amount of people that joined my DNA barcoding online course and not all of them are just like trying to figure out what a mushroom is, you know? So like, yeah. um, there's so many things that are illuminated in, in that reality. Um, one of my friend's sister developed a program for, uh, scanning through a genome for novel genes of a, in an organism in variation to other genomes that are available. And she did this for some project that she was working on. That wasn't the, that program wasn't the project. She did it to do some project. 
and it, and her professor was like, like, this is the key to biology. <laughs> that program is literally insane. So like, yeah. um, things like that are, are coming on board. Whenever I would go to the nanopore community days, there would be like a lot of independent scientists that would be developing their own programs to interact with like data coming off of the nanopore devices, which are generating like large amounts of molecular data from sequencing genomes or doing, you know, large swaths of, of uh, barcodes through them. And with, with people developing, you know, the programs that we need now, you know, you can, there can be room for more type of forensics within food and medicine in these industries and supplement industries, making sure that this mushroom is the mushroom you say it was, making sure it's the strain that it's supposed to be, these different kinds of things. Um, I mean, not just that, like tracing organisms, uh, doing metagenomics of air, soil, and water, all of these things, I think, uh, so like, in the documentary that we're going to be screening at the Matsutake Mary event, it's uh, from footage that we filmed in Oaxaca while we were down there last November uh, setting up a field genomic lab with the Entheome Foundation to uh, sequence the psilocybin mushrooms used by the Zapotec peoples there mm-hmm. um, because there's various varieties that they were using. And uh, Victor Mosti, that the operates Entheome, he has a company that like uh, sequences blood samples from hospitals in Mexico City. Uh, in his free time, he does the, the yeah. In the free time, stuff. he's sequencing psilocybin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's like there's practical util- there's practical uses of this equipment that yeah. are that are services that our society needs that is not necessarily available. So I think that like a lot of my career has been showy. And I was also, I'm also 29 years old. Like most of my career, I've been in my early 20s. That's so, what like, you do in your 20s. Yeah. So yeah. like, <laughs> it's like now we're moving into like a more practical like space. Maybe that's what I've been seeing. It's not the technology is necessarily, which I'm sure it is always advancing leaps and bounds, but the practical applications, just people thinking like, all right, we have this data. We're really examining reality, like getting down to the base mm-hmm. fundamentals of how biology works. Now, what do we do with these pieces? Mm-hmm. And that's what's been impressive. I've seen that a lot on your page and a lot for like Matt Powers, other folks who work with this, mm-hmm. is thinking like, what do we do with this? It's me and him, bro. Like there's yeah. like there's also now Kyle Cannon and Steven Russell, but they're mostly focused on mushroom barcodes. Like that's like yeah, okay. that's all that's what they're doing. Like Matt and I, everybody else is like the ones before that didn't talk to us that were up in the ivory towers the ivory that tower I literally had yeah. to like peek into with my little bit of money that I could afford to like peek into and see, you know, and like, it's a whole different tier. Like I am still translating and digesting things that I saw and heard when I started interacting with the nanopore events and going to the nanopore community, I could only afford to go to one. They had multi-day classes. I could only afford to go to one day and I could only go to the day. I made sure I went to the day where they showed me how to load the flow cell. I was like, I don't care about, all the other stuff, if I can figure out how to do this, I can find people that can take my data and, and make it useful. Right. I don't need to know that. That's not my job. So, right. like, I took the one day, but, like, going in there, like, I was not prepared. It took me months and months and months to figure out what I had seen and how to interact with it because I am I did not go to school. And, like, those people came from, like, the FDA and from NIH and, like, all these different universities. And I, I was the only self-represented person in there. I was the only independent. I was mad out of my, like, 
I look like a freaking clown, <laughs> bro. Like, look at me, bro. I look like a clown. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how, like to certain people, you know what I mean? Like, so it's right. just like everybody's all suit and tie type. You don't type fit shit, their normative you know? ideas of what you should look like in that. Yeah. Event. And yeah. like, I didn't interrupt the class to ask questions. That was basic stuff that I knew people learned in like the, you know the first class. But you were like, and, wait, hold on. That's when you said nanopore. I'm like, wait, wait, what's a nanopore? <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the nanopore is like it's 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 not even new. Like, is it's not like it's so crazy you could show people research from 19 1910 and like they'll be like wow that's cutting edge because like we're still catching up to, like things yeah. have moved so fast that like we haven't even fully digested all of the crazy things that's been going on yeah. but like um nanopore is a small protein pore that's embedded into a into a silicone chip that they attach a motor protein on top of that will grab onto a chain of dna or rna and, and push it through the pore and the pore that's in the chip has an electrical current running through it there's like millions of pores on this chip. that's also running through the dna or rna that's passing through it yeah and and the and the molecular weight of the dna or rna will change the frequency of the electricity going through it and then a computer can pick it up and read it as the different atcg in like real time insane get the dna code um so you just have to set it up load it up and then let it run yeah and it's freaking insane. Like, honestly, it's really crazy that we have this kind of technology. But, like, all that said and done, I went through that whole class. I knew how to load it at the end of it. But I had I had to digest and learn about what does this mean? I, I had notes, so many notes. I had to go back home. Like, what is this? What is this? What is this? Yeah. What is this? Like, to try and, like, digest what I just saw. Because it's, like, they're speaking a code language that takes highly specialized, trained people to interact with some of this stuff. And this is where the Browns come in. The Bro, fabric of being a, you know a Brown is like, I'm going to translate this now. Because when you make it practical, yeah. like that's why like people look at me and they're like, how did you find out all about the blah, 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 like with science. And I'm just like, when it comes out of a need, instead of we're just researching this to figure this out. When you give these people, when you give citizen scientists the technology and they got to feed their kids, they got to figure out how to make sure that their crop doesn't die. Right. It's different than when you're just doing it for research. Right. So like, we're going to figure out things and we're going to move differently. And it's going to make sense to us based off of what the practical application of it is. We don't need to know all of the jargon at the end of the day. If you know how to like look at a recipe of cracking an egg and put this much milk and put this much oil, you can get in some new tools in your hands. Cause at the end of the day, it's like take tube a and put 10 microliters of tube a in with tube B and you doesn't matter what tube A is. You don't have to know what that right, is. Right, right. You don't have to know exactly what's even happening. You know the output. You know the input and the output. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so much of science, I was talking with Vera Meyer, Vera Meyer in Germany, and so much of what we're doing in research into, into um, what's the word right now? It's not microbiology, into biotech. So mm-hmm. much of the research into biotech right now is working with organ. We don't understand exactly what's happening. We don't understand the metabolic process, exactly how it's transforming something. We just learn what inputs equal what outputs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is fundamentally, I mean, the way you break it down like that, this is approachable by everyone if you start learning that language. Mm-hmm. And luckily, we have you here to, to translate it. But you, it, it, here's a question I had too. Do you think we're ever going to get to the point, and maybe we're already getting there, where we start understanding genetics to the point where you do your nanopore and you can start being predictive with, look, this is this capacity. Like mm-hmm. we've, we can see this gene. So that means this organism does this. Cause when we think about like how many fungal species there are, and this is me piggybacking, like Phil Ross was just saying, look, we've got infinite biology with fungi. We're never going to name them all. We're never even going to be able to like isolate all of them because mm-hmm. there's so many. He's like, so if we can develop the capacity to be able 
to examine their genetics mm-hmm. of a huge swath of all these different fungi in the soil or something, mm-hmm. and then be able to say, oh, I'm seeing these genes present. There's an organism in here that does this that we need. Mm-hmm. It's like we go to the well of biology, learn how to like, oh, there's something in there we can use, yeah. and then start working with that organism. You see that happening. Yeah. So do you know what I mean when I say metag- uh, metagenome? Like when, yeah, I, when I we do metagenomics. So we do yeah. soil metagenomics, water genomics, and air metagenomics. It's when you take a sample from the soil and okay. you run it to find everything that's in it instead okay, of just it. like trying to figure out one organism with this the is like the is. super high volume yeah and you can frequency. do that with the nanopore okay. yeah so like you can take a soil that's what matt powers is doing he's getting okay. all these different organisms figuring out all the organisms in these different soil samples and figuring out the consistencies in different types of soil what type of organisms will be there classes of organisms like like it doesn't have to be the species it's right like, right it's like, just like there's these yeah. showing up yeah mm-hmm. so like you can do these metagenomics and like when i was younger i would think like Cause like I knew kids that could look at zeros and ones and like knows how to like, they don't have to just type in the, the, the language. Like they know what zeros and ones makes it do. Like I had friends that was that deep, bro. Like, so like there'll be a type of human that can look at the genetic code and say that this will code for this type of protein. This gene should, the way this, the way that this code is set up should code for these amino acids and it should do this kind of thing. Yeah. Even though it's complex, like the zeros and ones is complex. Like, you know what I mean? So like, when I was younger, I didn't conceptualize AI in the way that it is is presenting itself right now. And with AI, nobody has to look at the DNA code. Like you can have an AI, you can have multiple AI programs that you like run the, your metagenome, send it through. It tells you, it can really show you pictures of the different creatures. That's like from the sample, from the genes, from the genes. It like already identifies it for you and pulls a Google image to show you what it is on top of that. Cause you've coded it with enough base samples and like, here's what these genes translate bro. to. So it has that library and now it can just, you can buy quantum computers if you have enough money, bro. So like, and, and one day that will be affordable enough for individuals to have it. And like, people don't realize that like when the first computer, the ENIAC in Pennsylvania, when they used it, it did some hundred thousand years of human computation because a computer before that was a room of women that would come to work every day and work on some large math equation that took them weeks and weeks and weeks to finish so that people could figure out you know how to chart their their course to launch some something into the space into into the air or to like go across the ocean or to like make some new design like they didn't have like a calculator to figure out all this kind of stuff if you want to build a building if you want to know the how the engineering will work they had a group of women that was doing the math for the engineers to figure out that this was the way it was going to work it was not the processor no it was the woman in the yeah that's it was a bunch of women and so like whenever the first computer was run the first mo- contemporary computer it did some hundred thousand years of human computation in a couple of days so like effectively it launched us a hundred thousand it would have taken us a hundred thousand years <laughs> to do that many computations yeah and everybody has this in their in their pocket and not realizing how what the capacity of it is in the right. sense of it's a time compressor like we're capable of doing and thinking we can make the computer think our whole life for us predict outcomes of what decisions it will make there's rich that's what every rich person is doing right now with their whole venture capital companies they have ai they have computers that's that's predicting everything before they make their decision so they don't lose their money right like so like with with the ai we can straight up just set it up run the dna through it it can say oh this does this genes like these genes do this thing like we can every the information is all there for it and you know there are companies where you say i want this organism and it's like oh here are the genes we can make bro all right so like there was this company called Cambrian Genomics. Rest in peace to Austin Hines. Uh, you know, he, he, he passed away. But okay. he started this company over 10 years ago. He had a company that was laser 3D printing DNA. And he had a 
program called Creature Creator where you can compile whatever genes that you wanted based off of genes that are in the real world to create a new creature. And he would always talk about this Chickasaurus where they would uh, amplify the genes because every now and then chickens are born with claws or teeth and they could take those chickens and those genes that made them have teeth or claws, amplify them and to create a line of Chickasaurus. So he's like already on this 10 years ago. Yeah. This is 10 years. What about the ethics of that for you though? Like, because this gets into like CRISPR and manufacturing synthetic biology. All right. So like, I don't like how people could use that. Like I get, I get freaked (laughs) out. I'm like, look, Jah, God put everything on this earth as it's supposed to be. But maybe we're supposed to be God beings who know how to use genetics and are able to build new realities. We're literally manipulating like frequencies and electricity and airwaves. And we've, we've already gone that far. And like, here's the, here's the, we've already changed biology inevitably. Here's the crazy. Oh, sorry. My bad. Here's the craziest part. (laughs) The I thought that was empty. The craziest part is there's multiple stories in Africa of genetic engineering. Yeah, you're talking Anunnaki. Yeah, that's that's the yeah. main, that's the most popular one. You're right, but th- but who told the Bush people about DNA? Because right. it's not like they're just like making up something. Like they're saying that these aliens came and like took monkeys and mixed them with this and that and like made humans. And so like, and where did they get helixes from back then? You see like helixes all in their across art and stuff. Yeah, all across. So there's yeah. there's Bush people that understand about genetic manipulation in prehistory yeah so there's there's occasions when i when i look at the state of reality because like when i was young i had to know what the most high-tech technology was because there's rich people out there using it like hands down there's people doing de-aging technologies there's people that's making engineered babies that they don't have diseases that they're strong all that stuff is already happening because it can happen it already happened it's happening so you have have to understand once that technology exists people are using it you have to understand that that's what it is they'll go to whatever country that they can do it in right and so like with, with all that stuff understood, I needed to fully understand as much as I could about what's possible in reality. And when I understood that, I would sit and meditate and look at reality. And I would look at the trees and I would look at the animals and I would say, there's nothing that I can say that can tell me that somebody didn't engineer this a long time ago. And this is just what happened when it was left alone for hundreds of millions of years. Right. And it would be so... There's almost mo- like 90% of any organism's genome that we have, we call junk DNA because we don't know, don't what, know it what it does. It is. Yeah. Well, and the, and the fact that biological components spontaneously organize, mm-hmm. it's like, what is causing that? What is that? That's what I've always thought is like, there is some force drawing that like centropy, right? Like that draws mm-hmm. this together. There's, yeah. there's entropy, there's yeah. entropy in any system. There's also centropy. Like what yeah. is bringing stuff together? What is, cause my dad always used to say, Oh, you know, he, he was a biologist, hardcore scientist through and through mm-hmm. like the way that lipids organize into a cell mm-hmm. or simple things like that. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, but what, who mm-hmm. made it set up like that to yeah. where it spontaneously organizes? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, there's a couple things I wanted to hit on there. Like, okay. I, I love this analogy of time as the coin funnel, where at the beginning of time, as dust coalesced into into matter and time is relative, so where there's dense objects, time is faster in those places. But as time started, it was going really f- slow. The coin funnel in the mall, you put the quarter in, it goes real slow at the top part. But once it gets down into the middle of the funnel, it starts going fast and fast and fast. Right. And it starts spinning around so fast that you can't even, you looks like there's more than one coin in it before it falls down, what I call the singularity. So like... There's a lot. There's a fair amount of biologists that have 
developed this uh, biological clock for advanced genomes and like how life has evolved over time. Like every cer- every so many million years, we should be this much more complex than we were before. So time as an actor is like a force acting on biology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and with that understanding, the first organisms on Earth were already two uh, were already billions of years more complex than they should have been. The first organisms on Earth were already billions of years more organized than they should have been. Yeah. And so with this understanding, we take this back to whenever the coin was like closer to the Big Bang going starting into the funnel. Yeah. There was a point in time where everything, all the matter in space was in a, a zone that was warm enough for life to happen for hundreds and hundreds of millions of years. Almost a billion years. There was a point in time where all matter in space was warm enough for life to happen, and water isn't the only liquid where these elements can coalesce into starting into an, right, a life. Right. And it so, just like, doesn't have to be carbon and water-based life forms. And yeah. that point in time is more matches the biological clock of contemporary organisms and how advanced we are than saying that we started three billion years ago on Earth. So, all of these things, like, there is layers to this and and on top of that in those billions of years before earth life started anatomically contemporary humans are only like 300 million years old yeah if all that dating is correct if all that dating is correct you know i i may be miss maybe 300,000 is what i heard but like okay but million sounds a little bit more correct but like 300 million sounds way more correct but like if that's correct then there's been over like 10 times that organisms like us have had the opportunity to diversify since that time right when life should have started as the dna looks right to us right now and like we're the ones as like global north english speaking people that like decided to like turn our vision down to nine to five and only look down at what's in front of us instead of the cultures that was looking at the stars understanding where we were in in position to like Orion is serious, like the some Dogon of the most people. Yeah, yeah some of the most those, powerful yeah. star systems. Right. Like under like there's cultures that spent there's cultures that spent hundreds of thousands of years to figure out when we were in space. The, I think it was the Dogon people that would have generations of astrologers that would constantly be continuing each other's work, Straight staring up. at the sky, making maps to figure out like, what the heck is going on. Right. Dude, like that's still the fundamental question. That's that's yeah. that's the higher consciousness that we need to get back into. It's yeah. beyond the community. It's it's ancest. It's the, it's what the indigenous people have been screaming at us before we dis- annihilated them. They say seven generations. They learn our language. They say seven generations. Focus on the seven generations. So it's like. There was a point in time where we all were working with our dead relatives and our unborn children to complete tasks that we all are bathing in the riches of. We have fruits, vegetables, textiles. That's all the product of people working with people that they don't know that died before they were alive and people they don't know that was going to be born before they, after they're gone. Right. But they did that work, not even knowing what the outcome of it was going to be because that's how we live for something that was greater than us. Right. Like... And there's deeper understandings to be seen when we can support ourselves in that way because we've altered our perception of reality down to thinking this way by not collectively allowing each other to see the bigger picture. To, for people to look at that at, at life and see life in that grand of a scale, they have to be taken care of. Yeah, 100%. And, and right now it's like impossible. Like you said before, mm-hmm. it's impossible for people, some people I know, to ever look up. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't. Mm-hmm. Your survival, it feels like, depends. So... The fact that we have a system where your survival is not in your community where everyone has this kind of higher aspiration or higher goal, mm-hmm. 
It's like now you have only to start a couple dudes wants to go to space yeah. when all of us well, are supposed to go there. They're sitting on top of this like pyramidal structure of all of our labor mm -hmm. kind of put at their disposal and then they're sitting on the platform on top of that looking through a telescope into space. We're part of an unbroken evolutionary crazy, chain, bro. Yeah. It does not begin or end here. If this earth explodes, genetic data will be splattered into the earth. I have a talk called the biological alpha and omega and I talk about how algae and fungi can create atmospheres and turn into plants and animals. Yeah. And so we're <laughs> part of an ongoing evolution that does not stop or end here. And it's all of our birthright to continue on this evolutionary path of whatever it brings into the future to becoming homo universalis, whatever it is that we become. That's our birthright. It's not the right of, of a couple people. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And, that, and, and that's where so many people get into, like, is this a purposeful enslavement? I mean, you were just talking about like genetic manipulation potentially by other entities in the past mm -hmm. like now is it some other entity that's doing this that put this this We're, social technology of like the pyramid right of like all these people are on the lower rungs that feed up 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 to mm -hmm. increasingly concentrated power in individuals like that's not even a natural thing yeah. that's not something that we want to do but people are like no we need leaders we need to do that mm -hmm. no we've been conditioned like that for tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of years mm -hmm. so what happens when we don't give our give our like soul and bodies upward into some social structure that funnels all that somewhere else you know right like how do you, like how do you that's what i've always wrestled with because like i said i'm involved in local government now but like how do you make it a more of a flat distributed structure where we're like a thing bouncing energy off each other and going up together you this know? is again this is our task as humans that are yeah, alive yeah. we're the ones that's in the flesh right now we have a yeah. lot of responsibilities as being the ones in the flesh because there's a lot of us that's not in the flesh anymore and there's a lot of us that's not here yet. This is a great gift and responsibility to be the ones that's in the flesh right now. Yeah. This is a big deal. This We're the ones that's actively making the story happen. So it's, it's our role, it's our responsibility to figure the answer to that out. Otherwise, all the work of those that came before us and the ones but they are coming next are just going to keep being born into whatever this is that's that's not acceptable right and until we in our community is doing it right now the people that are listening to this is doing it right now the people that are hosting these events that are having these farms that's why i have more faith than i ever had in any of my lifetimes yeah. because this time we have the internet this time everywhere i've traveled everywhere i set my foot on this earth and i've been around the entire earth I have met people that is holding the torch. There's nobody that can put out the fire. There's, there's no way. We're the bad slaves. Yeah. <laughs> We're the ones that run into the woods when the master comes around. We yeah. know how to live out there. The apocalypse is the, is the end of the human ideological reality. Me and my son had this conversation. We said, I said, what happens when the stores close and when the cars stop working and there's no gasoline? He says, well, we can go foraging. Yeah, yeah. So some people's world ends, but it's not the end of the world. Uh, exactly. And you can get into that whole thing. Apocalypse is a rebirth. It's mm -hmm. a new era. The apocalypse happened. That's a and Roman word. We romanticize yeah. way too much. We're still yeah. perpetuating Roman politics in our... We're still the Roman Empire. We still have eagles and... <laughs> Bro. <laughs> yeah, we're still doing it. Bro. What, what was this? What in, was our this? The, in our cosmopolitan... Some people call it the Abrahamic, the Abrahamic virus or like whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It was like something that happened that conditioned everybody and we just got totally detached for what the purpose was to be here. I mean... And we think and like, we think it was successful. Like There have been some good things that grew out of that. This is something I was talking with someone about. Is like, don't discredit 
all the beautiful things we as humans are still doing. Mm -hmm. Like we're still creating so much. Oh yeah. We're still finding community and connection. Like, of course. And that's what mm -hmm. this thing was built to do is like harvest that, mm -hmm. you know? So like, don't think that, yeah, don't think that it's hopeless, but also don't think that there aren't good things happening. Because people, when they start to get on this wavelength a little bit, they're like, I can't look at anything the same. Nah, I can't enjoy anything. It's all beautiful, bro. Like, we're outside. I'm a, I'm a young black man getting high around the U.S., wearing the clothes that I want to wear that's made from my people's, like... I, I'm liberated. I'm outside. Right. I'm stepping. You know what I mean? I'm speaking the language, bro. Like, yeah. this is crazy. I'm getting paid for it. Like, I'm yeah. on stages. Like, this yeah. is a different time. Like, and like, yeah. it's a beautiful thing. So like, all that it, said but it's done, that it's time just, of, like, it's that time of chaos because there's so much it, unsettling yeah. in the world, but it, mm -hmm. there's also an opportunity now to come through with something mm -hmm. amazing at this time. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, like a lot of people need to like, I mean, just like understanding our, like if you are in the U.S., the great liberty and the great gift that that was and like, you know what i mean like not like abusing it like you know what i mean like we yeah. have a lot of opportunities here like people are literally throwing their babies into this country straight up i'm not that's not even like it's not even, it's not even a joke happening. Yeah. this is real life that's how that's how different this is like and like i didn't know till i went to mexico when i was little i didn't know that all of the all of the availability of things i had till i seen i mean i have a spare bedroom bro in my crib like I've seen places where their whole family is living in one room and the kids going to work so that they can eat dinner tonight. You know what I mean? So I it's mean, like even other Western European cultures, that's wild bro. To, to live the way we do. Well, like what you just did, it was like you were channeling, like you were just channeling that you talked about the line of ancestry. And that was a call to like responsibility. Mm -hmm. And for me, who's grown up, I always say like I've grown up really soft in this culture mm -hmm. to have. I love when people tell me like, no, you have responsibility. You need to show up. And make change, get uncomfortable, and do things mm -hmm. that are going to help push us back to this way of being. I, I say back, like back to these ancient ways of being that were actually the way we should be mm -hmm. on this planet. And like take the good that we've gotten and move that direction. Mm -hmm. And like I just felt a potent call from you. Like I was looking at you and I was like, whoa, this is a channel. This Bro. is not even... This it's, is not. This is like the line of all the Browns bro. ever, and, right? and Padilla, and before, bro, and yeah. my Taino, and my yeah. Taino family that got hunted down by the Catholics, by the Christians, yeah. all of it, bro. And it's yeah. like this. This is, and we all need to tap into that, like bro. we, because we all have that. Mm -hmm. We all. The, if you're alive today, you had insane, powerful. If if you're alive today, after you, if you're alive today, there's an unbroken chain of life that leads to yes. you. You weren't just born when you were born. There was an unbroken chain of life that came to be who you are. And that will continue if you let it continue. Right. And, and it will continue in your experiences as they imprinted on others as you continue. Because even if you don't have kids, who you are and who you interact with, that's in their DNA now. So like yeah. the, into the future, that's, that's what perpetuates. So I, I've been here before and I'll be here again. Who knows? But th the thing is, if I don't clean it up now, it might be a mess later when I come back. And I was this, whoever came before me got lazy enough for it to be this. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, we need to make as many zones, oasis zones throughout all of the experience that we are ever brought into ever so that anybody that's ever brought into any experience is brought into these experiences. Like that's the way I feel about it. The way I've seen life, what I've, the way I've seen time, it's bigger. It's so much bigger. There's, it's the multidimensional reality. We literally have quantum computers. By the time my son's old, this, all the things I'm saying will make so much sense to everybody because of the quantum computer. 
Like we'll it's be able make, to see it. We'll be we'll, able to conceptualize. Right now, we we struggle with deep time. We struggle with a lot of that. The yeah. quantum computers are tapping into alternative timelines. Like they yeah. can, they can tell what happened if you made that decision instead of that decision. And yeah, and we're gonna start decoding reality to like the most fundamental level. Straight up, we're we're gonna be like you said, we're gonna be time travelers, time manipulators. Because I was like, what about the ethics of playing with these building blocks of biology and creating new things? And it might be inevitable. That was when I interviewed Dennis McKenna. He's like, the eventual deep timeline we're on is this is all going to be one giant biological mat, mm-hmm. like covering whatever surface mm-hmm. is on. Like, we're not going to be distinguishable from fungi and plant. Like, it's just going to be this mat of biology that is experiencing everything, mm-hmm. whatever, everything everywhere all at once. All like, that's in. the future. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. we're just, we're mediating our relationships right now in little individuated we're cells. Just incubating under the sun. Shooting, chemical, shoot, shooting chemicals at each other but eventually that reacts those interactions won't need to be mediated and like the mitochondria going into a set like it'll just all be absorbed together mm-hmm. and i love that you're calling like there's a massive amount of power in that to kind of embrace that mentality and what that kind of the responsibility that implies mm-hmm. there's a massive amount of power with that mm-hmm. is like yeah if you feel for whatever reason like you're a cog or you're a piece like when you were saying that i was like oh my god i am all my ancestors like right now i am them mm-hmm. they are here mm-hmm. in my flesh Bro. and the creatures that came before and like it's a massive it's a massive concept to really embody if uh, it's the best yeah it's like i mean all of it is again it's the superpowers if you let it be you know yeah yeah like and you can start and you can start doing what i feel like i see you do which is like and i know so many people in my life that do it can like manipulate reality in a way that's almost like magical it's because like no i'm just i've been saying this since i was younger i told people i was like the way that life is i couldn't believe it whenever i was whenever i was first got into permaculture i was hanging out with people was like 40 50 years old everybody told me i was a genius and i was like 18 years old yeah. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, everything I know, my son will know by the time he's five years old. Children should know this. If yeah. this is the state of our reality, soon people are going to think that I'm doing magic right. because <laughs> of how basic they've brought this down to. The, con- the, 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 the dark ages, the medieval times, they, they sent the knights out to literally destroy magic. They, they brought us all into monotheism. They, they killed our gods. Nature they killed the elves. They killed the fairies. Yeah. They brought us here. And like they made it all this. It, yeah. it, it, it won't take nothing for people to think that this shit's magic, bro. And all of us should be living in it. Well, I love wrapping it there as a call to action. Everybody listening, embrace that. Re-embody your birthright, whoever you are. Mm-hmm. To embrace that. Bring more magic. Bring ecological restoration. William, thank you so much for blessing us up on the show. Bless eyes. With a part two. I'm excited to go to all the events coming up this weekend. I'm excited for everything else you have in store. Let's grow. 